and joking too Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program and podcast extravaganza known to the many and the few, sorry Budweiser, as uh, Smoking and Toasting. Nice to have you on board for show number 121. We are thrilled to be here. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. So naturally, we're thrilled to be here because that's what, that's what we enjoy. That's what we <laughs> like talking about. Uh, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. My name is Cruz, my erstwhile counterpart and host uh, uh, host to the masses is uh, Mr. Ian Berry. Welcome. Howdy, y'all. Nice to have you on. <laughs> good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you again. I always look forward to doing this every week, and and, and not just because of the drinking. Not just because of that? Not just you know, it's, because. It's, it's entertaining for me because you know I don't get to hang out with you because life gets in the way a lot of mm-hmm. times, as mm-hmm. much as I like to, but I at least get to see you once a week. Well, uh, and that's I, a good way to keep up with friends. Yes, yes, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's nice to be able to do this touching a base and sharing of uh, you know maybe a little uh, a little drink, occasionally a little smoke, and it's a good thing too. Uh, speaking of drink, on today's show we're going to be talking about what I think are some very exciting beers. Our friends i don't know if you can call them our friends but we really like these guys at platypus brewing in houston they are located right across the parking lot from b&b butchers and restaurant so it's a great place sometimes to go like after you've you know uh been a b&b mm-hmm. and enjoyed yourself and wander over there get a craft brew or two uh we even celebrated my birthday over there their this year. beers are so good too. their beers are great well guess what they're now available in stores congratulations in the them. greater houston area and i have brought in a can of their platypus brewing bobby dazzler or bobby dazzler Nice. As the Australians right, like right. to say, uh, it's their Australian blonde ale, and uh, so we'll be tasting that on the show from Anchorage Brewing in Anchorage, Alaska. We have today the Gia Girl Double IPA in the tall, black, sleek can. Nice, very nice. Looking forward to this. This is something I don't think we've had anything from Anchorage Brewing on before, and then from Vancouver, Washington, Heathen Brewing has released and we have this in a bomber it's even got it's very fancy it's kind of like a bottle of maker's mark has the wax on the top you mm-hmm. know uh it's the mega mint imperial chocolate milk stout mega mint uh, i thought you'd be excited by imperial chocolate milk yeah. stout <laughs> <laughs> no but i but it doesn't sound as fun in a microphone as Mega Mint, yes. Uh, and Ian has brought uh, some whiskey from his personal <coughs> collection today. Uh, Ian, what's th- what's this whiskey this we're going to be This is the Old Forester 1897 Bottled and Bond. This bottled is the Old and Forester. Bond, I love that's, that. Uh, that's a hats off to the Bottled and Bond Act of, guess when? 1897. 1897, so it's how you remembered the year for the... Uh, yeah. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> See, as long works. as I stare at this bottle, I can remember when that act was... <laughs> I think we may be staring at that bottle quite a bit later on in the show. It's so. actually really nice, uh, really nice and classy yeah, it, looking bottle. Yeah, it is. I don't think I've had Old Forester in quite some time. So, 
That's a, that, man, it's that's a great whiskey at a great price anyway. Do want to say thanks to our special guest last week. Well, he actually pod crashed the show. Um, <laughs> he was our pod crash guest. Our pod he crash guest. guest. Yes, he was. Although he's special. Wasn't a scheduled special guest, but uh, but Chris Hart uh, was here last week. Thank you. Although, wait a second. Stop. No one cares about Chris Hart. No one. And let me tell you how I know this. I was, uh, and this is really Chris Hart's fault. Chris was on the show last week. He brought some amazing beers, some uh, some great spirits to taste. Brought a Bacardi rum that was just outstanding. And um, he asked. He had to go and do this. See, this is what happens when you listen to people like Chris Hart. He had to go and ask me if I'd ever read the reviews of Smoking and Toasting, like on iTunes and stuff. And then he told a story about, I guess, reading some of his reviews and somebody, you know, was giving him a hard time on the reviews or whatever. And he wanted to be able to respond. And it's like, oh, I understand. No, you know, when I don't read the reviews, I feel like that just throws me off. Because you don't want to, like, start trying, like, too hard to adjust to people. Well, I've, you I've know, never you know what read I mean? reviews because I like what we do. And, and I get positive feedback from people I know. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I look at the numbers we run, and we do pretty well, and it expands a little bit every week. And I, th- and I just get I just get encouraged by that. Now, we're, we're just two guys. Right. Like, we're not perfect. We're yeah. not machines. We can, do, we we're can not, make yeah. mistakes, and, you know, we may not be for everybody. And the problem I, I find with reviews is sometimes you just get people that are hateful on there. Now, not everybody's like that. Sometimes right. you find good constructive uh, criticism sure, sure. on there as well. But And so, uh, yeah, so when Chris said this, of course – then he got me thinking, what, have people actually reviewed the show? I suppose maybe I should go and look and see, damn him for doing that. Because <laughs> I go, and so the first review I read, and I only read one. And in fact, I didn't even finish it. Uh, but I only read like part of the one review. The first review I read, the guy gave us, I don't know, I think three stars out of five. And he says... Well, that's okay. Yeah. But he says, I wish I could rate this podcast higher, he says. But and then he goes on to uh, to uh, do a little bit of a critique, some of which was uh, was you know probably very constructive and probably things that we should do better. But then he goes, and they're always talking about this Chris and Alan guys and who's been on the show the most. No one cares about those guys. So from now on, whenever we mention Chris Hart, I think we have to do it with the caveat that no <laughs> one cares. About no Chris cares. or Alan Denny either, for that matter. No one cares about those guys. You know, uh, well, here's the thing. Like, I get it. Like, if you don't know these guys, you know where to come from. What guys are you talking we, about? The guys that no one cares about. Okay. Um, if you don't know, like, the truth is, like, they're good friends of the show. Right. And, and, they are good friends of the show. You know, like, everybody has their weird things that they talk about. I mean, um, uh, Limbaugh has Mr. Snurdly or whatever, right. his, his right. imaginary guy. We actually have two imaginary guys that are actually real people. Yeah. And, and they show up sometimes <laughs> uninvited, and it's just how and it is. And they bring great cigars and great yeah. whiskey, so it's it's hard not to talk it's, about them. But also in it's this hard to scene, turn them away. That's for sure. Right in this scene, those guys are movers. Mm-hmm. They're moving stuff. Like oh, they are. Like, yeah, uh, Chris Alan Hart. Denny works for the uh, cigar company that got the number one cigar of the absolutely, year in cigar aficionado this year. Absolutely, and I think that's it's worth uh, not only uh, curating that friendship. But, I mean, just talk about the guy. These are real people that what sell guys? these cigars. Those guys that nobody cares about. Okay, good. These are real people that sell these cigars. Mm-hmm. And, and we have the fortune to get to know some of these guys. And some of them are great guys. They are, man. And Except for the a, fact that nobody cares about them. Such a, <laughs> there's such a great community. Yeah. And so, like, one of our things to talk about, and we have these, these two guys are not only uh, friends of ours, they're friends of each other. 
Um, and and they both do great works. The uh, Houston Bourbon Society and Houston Whiskey Social are both Chris Hart's babies, and they're both. And Alan Denny is also involved in those things. So so these guys are really moving stuff in Houston when it yeah, comes to when it comes to spirits and cigars and just good living and stuff we talk about on the show. And that's I think the biggest reason that we speak a lot of those guys. And you yeah. know what? That's okay. And that guy, I get it. Whoever wrote the review, like. I get it. We do talk about them a lot, and, and those guys don't know them, but listen to us. You'll get to know them. Watch the yeah. shows with those guys on. You'll understand why we talk about them, man. What, what guys are you talking about? Those guys. Which guys? The, the guys that no one cares about. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, that's uh, that's good to know. Uh, so, um, it's it's been an interesting week. There is so much going on in the news, and we're finally going to get to this today. I think we've teased it a couple of times and just haven't got Last week's show ran, you know, ridiculously long, so we'll try not to do that today. But we are going to get to this because we haven't had a chance to do it yet, and I really want to. How not to be a jerk on a distillery tour. Have you ever been that guy, you think? I don't know. I'd have to read the script. Okay. Because <laughs> well, sometimes you're a jerk and you don't realize yeah, it. Yeah, well, well, we'll get to that. We'll see if we've been guilty of uh, uh Like, of, like of when you ask things, things. It's like, is this as good as Jack Daniels? <laughs> That's probably being a jerk on the <laughs> distillery tour. You have to do it in that voice, though, too. Yeah. What's the voice again? <laughs> is this as good as Jack Daniels? I like that voice. <laughs> you got to get a little bit of the gurgle I in there, really too. We really do. Uh, we didn't get to this last <clears throat> week, although we did cover all, you know, all the cigars that have been named the best of 2018. Vine Pair has actually named 2018's. 50 best beers. So I want to talk oh, that should be about fun. that. Yeah. And uh, Senator Marco Rubio, who was uh, responsible for helping to introduce the first uh, legislation uh, for um, the exemption of premium cigars from the FDA uh, oversight, has reintroduced this bill. So we'll tell you about that coming up on the show. And there is there trouble in, uh, in, craft, in craft brewing to Texas craft breweries have just closed their doors Uh-oh. so we'll uh, we'll get to that we'll talk about a lot of things that uh, that are going on in the news um but the first uh, ian i thought as i enjoy doing so much this time every week thought i'd ask you if you'd smoked anything interesting lately i did actually i did you know i i went to do my normal thing i got up a little early i went over to uh, casa de monte cristo formerly serious cigars mm-hmm. love those guys they always treat me so nice over there um uh, and i was gonna sit down and chill and and uh, smoke a cigar and do my review there. Um, and uh, so I went into the humidor. I picked out three cigars, which I generally do. I don't know why three is the right number. I just buy three random cigars. Uh, and one of them I picked out was a little bit smaller than I usually get, which, by the way, is a five by something Robusto. Okay. Just, that says something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's what you normally get, or that was that's, the that's a little smaller than I okay. normally get. Yeah. Well, I know you like the gigantes. So. I like. Yeah, I like bigger. I like bigger cigars in general, but um, because I didn't have that much time, so I'm up there at the uh, register and I'm uh, paying for my cigars. I'm talking to the guys and we're talking about ah, you you should have a beer to go with that. I was like, I wish I did. And they're like, it's kind of early. I was like, well, I mean, I'm going to do go do my show in a little while. It's my Thursday. It's okay. And we you know laughed about that. And then I went, oh no. I forgot to bring my whiskey with me for the show. Oh, because you were bringing the whiskey today, the old forest whiskey today. Yeah. So there it is, sitting on my uh, shelf at home. So I grabbed my cigars. I was like, "Thanks, guys." I ran out the door, went and got my whiskey. It's not that far away, so it's not that big a deal. Right. But uh, I had just enough time to light my cigar at the house and smoke it on the way over here, and then sit in the parking lot and finish my cigar and oh, talk nice. about it. So, right. so I actually had enough time. I walked in here right, right about the right time. So, so I, what was it you actually got to smoke? Well, I picked up a cigar because it looked awesome, and I totally just realized I forgot to send uh, files to uh, Adam. So we'll have to post these uh, afterwards. Um, 
I picked up a Foundry Time Flies. Oh, interesting. Now, have you seen this you label? Got, you got the band, You yes. would buy this because of this label alone. In fact, I have bought that because of the label. Let me just show that to uh, That's, the it's camera. It's an awesome here. label. Yeah, I have actually had this cigar, and I'm totally. you're totally correct. That was the reason <laughs> I bought it, was that, well, anything with this label, I'm at least going to try it. I'll, so. post, I'll post pictures later. <laughs> so I did, I did, I'm sorry, I, I was almost on time, except for I forgot to send pictures for the... Uh, for the review. Anyway, uh, so this has this great kind of iridescent skull on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks kind of classy, but a little bit steampunky and and Dia de los Muertos smashed mm-hmm. together. It's yes, kinda I interesting. like it. It's a nice looking cigar. It was uh, like a milk chocolate uh, brown, uh, maybe a little lighter than milk chocolate brown in appearance. Um, it had a, a, a kind of a soft feel to the tobacco itself. It had an oily wrapper to it. Um Really, uh, really nice looking package and this yeah. great, you know, label on it. Um, it's a uh, uh, Ecuadorian Habano 2000 wrapper, uh, Nicaragua binder and filler, five and a half by fifty. That's what I consider a smaller cigar, I guess. <laughs> Cost is about seven and a half to eight dollars on this yeah, thing. Okay, yeah. um, so the appearance. Um, we talked about that. The pre-light sniff, mocha, cappuccino, hay, sweet. And macadamia nut is what I kind of got on the nose with a mm-hmm. little light spice kind of thing going on. The pre-light draw, uh, I, I I did a punch, which I generally do. That's mm-hmm. my default. Um, the pre-light draw had a lot of chocolate and cappuccino in it, fresh hay, creamy uh, notes, macadamia, a little hint of spice. The initial light, um, sweet cream, like right up front, sweet cream yeah. and cappuccino, boom, like bomb right there. Uh, light spice toast and leather right off the bat. I mean, this was nice. it was pretty complex right at the beginning, uh, and sweet. it was kind of big. Uh, the first third, sweet, nutty, hay, cappuccino, perfect burn. By the way, mm-hmm. solid ash. Um, uh, I mean, I, there was nothing to complain about this thing. Uh, the second third, uh, when I got to about the second third, that was my first ash on the cigar. I dropped the ash, mm-hmm. um, and just mostly because I was afraid it was going to fall on me. Um, it's picking up notes of gingerbread, of all things. Gingerbread, Yeah, really? gingerbread, wow. more sweetness, cappuccino fra- flavor moves to the front. Still a little bit of that spiciness, but not much. So kind of a rich uh, vibe Yeah, it was a very rich and, and, and kind of interesting cigar. The, the next third of this, the, the last third of this, the third third, is where I tip my second ash on this thing. I mean, the ash was solid the entire time. The burn, perfect. The entire cigar burned perfect the entire time. Um, the spice ramps up a little bit. Chocolate and cappuccino ramp up a little bit, especially that cappuccino kind of um, kind of uh, bitterness on the end, mm-hmm. which is really kind of nice. I smoked it down until uh, until it was definitely the end of the cigar. I enjoyed it tremendously. Uh, I paid uh, seven and a half to eight dollars for this cigar. Uh, I would have been happy paying uh, nine dollars for this cigar. Uh, no so, problem. Wow. So I'm going to give it a five and a half. Five and a half. Uh, five and a half. And you know, five is you get what you pay for. Anything mm-hmm. below that is, you know, you wish you'd have paid a little less. Anything above that means you get more than you paid for. More than you paid for. I'm going to get it. I'm going to give this. You get a little more than you paid for. But here's the funny thing about it. I didn't know anything about this cigar before I picked it up. And you're going to love this since you're a bit of a fanboy. This was actually a uh, foundry. Uh, this was actually an. AJ Fernandez collaboration. See, I am a fanboy. I'm AJ. Is just, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I didn't even is, know that until after I looked it up. The man is on fire. He, I mean, he literally is responsible for some of my favorite cigars of the year. Yes, just just amazingly, amazingly complex blends that he's been able to come up with. So, 
Uh, so I'm with you. I want to uh, give a shout out to my uh, uh, my good buddy Dave Cash from uh, the Baltimore area. Uh, he just chimed in on the uh, the comments a moment ago on the the Facebook feed and said, "Hey, uh, Cruz, what cigar are you smoking? If the Patriots win this weekend, and I am a New England Patriots fan, so I'll be watching and rooting for the team that I like. I used to live in Boston and became a fan of the team way back when I was there, and." It occurred to me that the cigar I'm going to talk about today is the one I should have saved for the Victory Cigar. Because this is probably the most expensive cigar in my humidor. <laughs> Cubans notwithstanding. Right, right. right. Most expensive non-Cuban in my humidor. Uh, but this week I smoked the Davidoff Winston Churchill The Late Hour. Oh, nice. And uh, I'd been I'd had it in the humidor for a long time, been kind of waiting uh, for a special occasion. Then I, it was one of those things where, and I should have thought, oh, special occasion would be if my team wins. But um, I, I thought, oh, I'm not going to have a special occasion, so I'll, I'll smoke it now. Uh, so I lit it up this week, and uh, this tobacco on the late hour, the Davidoff Winston Churchill, is aged for six months in Scotch whiskey casks. Uh-huh. So uh, it's got an Ecuadorian Habana wrapper, Mexican and Ecuadorian binder, Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers, and it is a stunningly beautiful cigar. I mean, you know how you look at some cigars and go, that's really pretty? And yeah. then you look at some and you go, wow, that is like one of the just most perfectly rolled, smoothest cigars well, I've David seen. Davidoff is also at a price point where... You expect you expect, an amazing expect, cigar. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So, and this one was at that price point. Believe me, it took a V cut perfectly, and uh, right on lighting it up, it started up with tons of spice and a bold, nutty kind of flavor. Spice mellowed out a bit in the second third of the cigar, uh, and it got some creaminess and some earth. They started to make uh, their way into the flavor profile. I think whiskey fans would probably love this cigar. There were. Kind of traces of malted barley flavors and some dark chocolate that you know made you think of some of the you know nicer whiskeys maybe that you've had. It did pair extremely well with a twelve-year-old uh, Altmore single malt from the bar. Oh yeah, so well there you go. I uh, I did enjoy those two together. Final third picked up some cedar and more nuttiness. Uh, the spice was still there, but not as strong as in the first third. It was a wonderfully complex cigar, velvety smooth. I'd characterize it as a full-bodied smoke, a special occasion cigar for sure. Retails for about twenty dollars. I want to say I paid twenty and some change. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke a lot of twenty-dollar cigars, but if you're going to, this one should probably be on your list. I'm going to give it for price to quality a solid five. Now you may think, well, that's not that great of a rating, but if you think about $20 it, twenty dollars a cigar. twenty dollars cigar that you get a five saying it was worth twenty dollars. Twenty dollars of it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and you know what? And I thought a lot about this when I was smoking. I was like, so this is more than twice the price of that kind of eight dollar. $10 A.J. Fernandez yeah, uh, that I would normally, it would kind of be my go-to. Was it twice as good? I don't know if it was twice as good. But I will say I probably enjoyed it more than any cigar in that price range that I've had in a long time. So I'll give it a solid five. Solid five for Winston Churchill, The Late Hour. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Winston Churchill is in the news this week because there's a a Winston Churchill solitaire app for the phone and Google um, banned it from the Google store this last week because it showed a cigar in Churchill's mouth on the app. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Now the good news is that the, uh, the makers of the app were able to get, get back with them. It was banned for promoting tobacco products basically. And uh, the, the, 
app developers were able to get back to Google. Is and there, apparently, apparently it's back in the store and it's available. Is now. there an existing picture of Winston Churchill where he doesn't have a cigar? I, I don't know if they I've named ever, an I don't entire, know if I've ever seen one. They named an entire cigar size after him. It's called a Churchill right, cigar. Right. There is no other famous smoker of any time period who has a size of cigar named after them yeah, except like, for Churchill. How do you separate those things? There is no Schwarzenegger size. And how is seeing a guy with a cigar in his mouth promoting cigars? Yeah. It's seeing a guy with a cigar in his yeah, mouth. Not, if that influences you one way or the other, you are a weak person. I would have expected it more from <laughs> Apple. I say, even yeah. though I'm an Apple guy, than from Google. But at least Google... I'm kind of, disappointed in Google on that one. Uh, but at least they kind of realized that maybe that was a bit over the top and the app has been reinstated. So there you go. All right. Now, uh, it's smoking and Toastin'. We are on show number 121. Uh, today's show is about how not to be a jerk on a distillery tour. We're going to get back to that, and we're also going to taste the Bobby Dazzler, the Australian blonde ale from Platypus Brewing in Houston. That's going to be coming up, and uh, it'll be in our next segment. You are listening to and watching Smoking and Toasting. Awesome. Welcome back. It's smoking and Toastin'. This is the radio show that is all about, uh, um, you know, craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars. We are on show number 121. We're brought to you by uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in Fort Worth in the shops at Clear Fork. Ooh, that was nice. We we use only high-tech sound effects here on the program, so it's a, uh, it's a good thing that... Uh, that Ian well, for our beer opening sound those, effect, yes. For our beer opening sound effect, one of the uh, interesting methods we actually use to create that sound effect is to open an actual beer. Right. It's it's. I know it's uh, kind of unheard of in the sound effect world. Right. You know, the professionals do it differently. They, you know, create it from hitting two shoes together or something. But, uh, but that's <laughs> that's that's how we do it. By the way, I just wanted to uh, say a big thanks to. Uh, our technical director here, uh, Mr. John Whiteside, and also to our producer, uh, Adam, uh, for getting the video stuff back together for the show this week. Now, um, we let me just say this about the program Wirecast. It sucks. It sucks really bad. Do not use it. Do not pay for it. Um, we had a version of Wirecast, and they all of a sudden just stopped supporting video. Just, no, buy our new one. They didn't even. They didn't the one you have you know. doesn't support video anymore, uh, and so we have a video open for the show. I have a report. In fact, we'll look at it uh, here in just a bit. That I uh, had had uh, taped, that I had recorded or videoed, whatever, in Austin when I was there weeks ago uh, at a uh, at a brew pub there. That. It, I've been trying to include on the show here for quite some time, and we haven't been able to put it in because Wirecast, don't buy it, it sucks, uh, went down. And so uh, that I have two messages. First is thank you to uh, Adam and Johnny for getting a new and different program up and running again. And the second is Wirecast. Don't buy it. It sucks. I think probably been clear enough about that. How do you really feel? Um, I realize I can be ambiguous at times, and I apologize for this. So, uh, Ian, you have just uncorked or, or popped the top on beer that says brewed with Texan heart and Australian soul. Do you know, are the people from Platypus Brewing, are they of Australian uh, background? Do we know? Yes. They are They are actually from well, Australia? 
Um, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but the guy that owns it started mm-hmm. with his wife, and he is Australian. He's Australian. And okay. She is from, I believe, the Houston area, and okay. that's how they ended up back so that's here. Kind of, that's um, what I, we I'm, had them on the show. I'm a little surprised that the platypus on the can doesn't have a, a cowboy hat on his a, a head because that would be the Australian or, or a set of horns, like or a, a set of horns. Yeah, that like would a, be. Uh, like a platypus jackalope. is already a scary enough creature. <laughs> they are uh, a little weird, aren't they? The Bobby Dazzler is described as a thirst quenching Blondale with a hint of hoppiness brewed using what it says here is local houston honey oh local honey uh with the tropical fruit characteristics of australian topaz hops so it really does uh hail from australia it's a wonderful blend of australia and texas and uh platypus brewing at least in the greater houston area where we reside has these have just become available in stores so while the brew pub is a great destination and we recommend it highly and they have some really interesting and cool food too um the 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 beer is now something you can buy in the store. Ian, this is this is not for the many. This is this is actually beer that has flavor and and interesting. you know it's a blonde ale too. So blondes can sometimes be a little light in the flavor yeah. department. Uh, not only is it a lighter beer, but there are some blondales that are just kind of like they're creamy and nice, and that's about it. You know, while I mean? you're while you're talking over there, I have been um, researching the blonde ale. Yes, here. and your thoughts. Um, so this is an interesting beer. It has a lot of things going on. The first sip of this, right at the beginning mm-hmm. on the tongue, you taste the the malt profile, yes, which I do. like in a Blondale a lot of times. It's immediately followed by the honey, and then mm-hmm. it's followed by a citrus, bitter, hoppy finish that's really interesting. And usually I wouldn't liken a beer, but it actually works with this because of the malt honey in the front. It says it was brewed uh, using uh, local honey from the Houston area with the tropical fruit characteristics of the Australian topaz hops. So yeah. I think that's what you're it's, picking up That's there. interesting. It's got an interesting finish to it, and uh, and I keep drinking it. Mm-hmm. So that obviously I'm liking it enough to keep drinking it. There's, you know there's been a few on the show where I take a couple sips and I don't. What's interesting, is, yeah, what's interesting to me about this is that it... It doesn't do what a lot of my favorite Blondales do, which is have that um, sort of chocolatey flavor on the finish, yeah. uh, like like a, uh, a, a, a Fat Tire yeah. does or like a St. Arnold mm-hmm. Amber. Um, but this has got really, really interesting tropical I want to say it has, a, it has a snap on it like an IPA does, mm-hmm. but it doesn't taste like an IPA. It's a little bit hoppier than I'm used to for a Blondale, yeah, but I like that. Agreed. Yeah, I like so that. So this is, this is a beer of interest at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably have to have a few more to really come up with you know how much I like it, but uh, if you handed me one of these, I have no problem drinking this. The, um, the guy that uh, wrote the review that I read about three quarters of uh, that I mentioned earlier in the show also mentioned that we liked a lot of the stuff. We liked pretty much everything we tried on the show, which actually isn't true. There's been a number of things that we haven't liked. But generally speaking, when we go to put the show together, we're going to be much more prone to bring in things that we think we're going to like. Yes. To try yes. than we are to bring things that we think we're not going to like. There's there's not a random panel that just throws random beers at right. us. We go buy these beers. Right. We're paying our money for these <laughs> That's beers. Actually, yeah, and frankly, right. I'm not going to go look at a beer and see one that I go, hmm, Looks I'm like, probably not going to like it. I'm buying it. Yeah, and and we'll taste it on the show. Malort was a little different. Now that because <laughs> that shit's funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, it was. Like that's it was that's funny. hilarious. But I mean, no, realistically, I get I get what he's saying because we do like a lot of stuff that's on here, and the truth is that's because we're going to buy stuff that we generally like. But it's not always true. But you know, we had we had one last week that I absolutely didn't like, and you liked it. I mean, that's right. I remember that. Yes. You know, sometimes I thought it was really good, and you were like, "Man, I didn't like it at all." But we're not here to like or dislike beer anyway. We're here to explain what we're experiencing, right? And the idea, uh, hopefully, behind the show is that these days, when you go into the store, like if you go into Specs on Smith Street downtown Houston, Mm -hmm. or you go into some of the better beer stores that exist around the country, and you're standing there in the craft beer aisles. I mean, there's beer for days, and it's all interestingly packaged. The and craft all, beer section yeah. at Specs downtown is bigger than most convenience stores. That's right. Like not not it's most bigger than some convenience store stores. sections. Yeah. I'm talking about it's bigger than most of the entire store. Right. Exactly. So you go in there and you're surrounded by this beer, and it's like you know you can't buy it all, and sometimes it can be a little. Intimidating, thinking I'm going to plunk down somewhere between you know nine and eighteen dollars for a four pack or a six pack, or of, sometimes of, on a beer, or sometimes or sometimes on a beer, right? And not know anything about right what it's going to be like. So our attempt on the show, and same thing with the whiskeys and the, and the spirits, is just to tell you what we're finding. And I'll tell you something else that I think is bogus, and I think it's more bogus than guys who like everything, and that's that guys who try good stuff but think they need to figure out something, something wrong with don't it like about that it, they yeah. don't like when really there's not right. you know, necessarily anything wrong with it. And by the way, even if we don't like something, that's about palate. Yeah. You know, it it I'm generally going to say I don't think we've had many crappy products that we've tried on the show. There's been a couple. Been a couple, yeah. But but we're straight up about it, and we're not trying to be mean about it. Yeah, and generally speaking, though, it's just it doesn't speak to my palate or it doesn't speak to your palate or or whatever. You know, and you have a saying, Ian, that I've started to adopt, and and I find that it it works in most cases. And, you know, it's a really complex and well-thought-out saying but if you don't mind I'd like, I, I, I'd I like try to, explain to uh, I try to wax poetically yes and and you did definitely when you came up with beer good beer good yeah I find myself saying that and I think it I think it holds true I mean generally speaking we're going to like most of what we well, taste and here's here's an absolute truth if you're hanging out at a tailgate party or something like that and I'll say it and the only beer they have there is Bud Light have a Bud Light are you going to not drink Bud Light right right you know because what? after all, it's for the many. It's, it is, and at some point in time, you might be a many. <laughs> you know, uh, I would, I would almost want to not drink it, for just, the, yeah. just because I'm so pissed off at their advertising. I know, I, I totally get that because you'd be a little torn, but but, but you'd I'd, probably I'd drink probably it and drink be torn. It. I'd probably yeah. drink it anyway and be torn. That's exactly <laughs> okay. right. So I'm not, you know, I'm not here to be a beer snob. I, I like. There's a lot of beers that I really like more than other beers, but I still like beer. Bloomberg has named, and I don't know why Bloomberg gets to name their favorite beers. I guess because anybody can do it. Uh, but Bloomberg has named their favorite uh, new beers of 2018. Lay it on me. Uh, and I will start out by telling you, I did not like the first one. Didn't like it at all. Um, and it's the Sweetwater 420 Strain uh, G13. It's an American IPA. But it includes uh, strains of uh, marijuana derivatives like CBD. I don't think either one of us really liked that one very much. I just didn't find it appetizing. I don't dislike that smell, that aroma, um, but there was something about it with the hops in the beer didn't work for me. Now, I might have to get used to that because 
where it is, that's going to be one of the big trends for craft beer for the right. next couple of years is that uh, beer that is uh, that includes but, some cannabis. But uh, kudos for them for trying. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, frankly. Because- and I like Sweetwater, and I like their regular IPA. I just, you know, it just wasn't to my taste. I didn't like it. So, but but it made one of the best beers of 2018 from Bloomberg. So, again, it's about palate. Somebody really liked this, or it wouldn't have made this list. Try right? that. Okay. Uh, Drake's Brewing's Brightside Extra Brute, a uh, Brute IPA that is 7% ABV from San Leandro, California, made the list. I don't think either of us have had that, have we? I don't think so. I don't think I've seen a Drake's Brewing before. The Sierra Nevada Celebration 2018. This is their celebration is like their Christmas beer. Yeah, there's at, nothing uh, wrong Sierra with Nevada. that. And I think they do it differently every year, like the folks do like at Anchor. Uh, at Anchor, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this one, uh, this one made the list uh, this year. So did Austin Beer Works Flavor Country, which is their 5.9 percent pale ale. Uh, very interesting. I don't think I've had the Flavor Country. Have you? Uh, Austin Beer Works. I've had a few of their beers. I don't think I've had the uh, Flavor Country either. Yeah. So we, we definitely have to try some of that on the show. Soon. Austin Beer Works is a good uh, good overall brewery. Like everything they put out is, is Absolutely. quality. Absolutely. Yeah, great quality. Uh, Grim Artisanal Ales Castling. It's a Belgian-style pale ale slash IPA. Uh, was also named to this list. As was, uh, here's these are lagers now, Ardent Brewing's Pilsner, Three's Brewing's People Power, which is a 5% uh, Pilsner, Wayfinder Terrifico, have not had that, I haven't had any of those. Uh, those uh-uh, three. no, nothing you've named yet. And now from the uh, section of this they call the funky stuff, Holy Mountain Vesper, the style is a table beer, it's 3.9% ABV. Okay. So, do you understand what a beer has to be to be qualified classified as a table beer? I think beer? that could be that could be a name that they've come up with, or it could be a, an actual terminology. But I'd, I'd imagine it's like table wine. It's just a lower. I think it's like farmhouse sales. I think it's the lower same ABV, general, yeah, more sessionable. Like you know, saison style. They used to have what's called small beer too, mm-hmm. which was very very low alcohol. I thought that was like Mickey's Big Mouths. That is also a small beer, but I think that I think the the, the terminology has has changed. I think you're right. Uh, fermentary form formation, uh, oak aged golden ale from Philadelphia, and then uh, what they call the nightcap, Firestone Walker and Creature Comforts Mother's Milk. This was a uh, a, a collaboration uh-huh. between those two breweries, Firestone Walker and Creature Comforts. It's an imperial milk porter at 11.6. I bet that's fun. I haven't mm-hmm. tried that. that uh, so that was their list of the 11. So I thought that was interesting, and we're going to talk about the other list here a little bit later on the show. But just, You know, uh, yeah. one of the fun things about this is, like, you just read, you know, like a best of list. Mm-hmm. We've tried almost none of those. Almost none, yeah. Almost none of those. And what's interesting is we try at least three beers a week on the yes. show, you know, uh, sometimes more. So it's so exciting, isn't it? Like, there's yeah. so much more out there. Now, speaking of beers that we tried, when we come back in the next segment, uh, we're going to play back a segment that I recorded, a short segment that I recorded in Austin uh, when I was visiting there for a King's X show about a month and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to see the show, loved it, and was able to visit an amazing place, great food, great craft beer and so i'll talk about it in this next segment coming up plus we will also taste anchorage brewing from alaska their gia girl double ipa i'm really excited to try this it's gotten rave reviews and so uh be interesting to see if it if it uh, lives up to the hype and we'll get to that all coming up in the next segment you are listening to smoking and toasting Really, really. 
Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at uh, the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas, and in Houston at 1814 uh, Washington Ave. Bacon, bacon, bacon. We'll get to... Uh, Their we'll, bacon we'll, is so good. We'll talk about that in a minute. I wanted to mention your buddy uh, Brian Coltrane, who uh, hopped in, as he often does, to save us on the show uh, comments. Uh, what did he say about table beers, Ian? You said did he... Oh, uh, he, yeah, he commented. He explained uh, it for us, yeah. Teffel beers, otherwise known as table beers, are Belgian in origin, actually served in schools for quite some time as they had fewer sugars and juices, uh, fewer sugars than juices and sodas. Uh, most <laughs> are between that. two and three hey, percent ABV. Those, those sugars, those sodas have too many sugars in them. Have a beer instead. Here's a table beer. I like that approach. Uh, Brian also interestingly remarked on the comments, uh, I've refused free beer from the Miller girls at a bar. Don't judge me. The looks on their faces was definitely worth it. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, that's if, pretty If fun. you're at a party and there's only Bud Light. But see, if drink. you're at a bar, you have other choices. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we were even talking about that. You mentioned that in the like, break about the Bobby Dazzler, the uh, the uh, the Blondale that we just tried. You said, as good as it is, you've had some of the other beers at Platypus that you like even better. So chances are you probably wouldn't order the Bobby Dazzler. Right. At even though bar. I do like it. You yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of having great choices uh when i was in austin uh recently went to uh eat dinner and meet a friend of mine at a place called the brewer's table and not only did they have amazing food but i loved their craft beer menu they were they even said on their menu and i'm, I'm not quoting it exactly but um uh they had an ipa on their menu and the the gist of the description was yeah i guess we're supposed to have an ipa so here it is that that's how that's how unusual their choices were for uh oh, wow. you know for the stuff that that they brewed it was like yeah they said we probably needed an ipa so here it is uh but uh in any case they had really different unusual and great beers so i went back the next day and just sat at the bar Tried one of the beers, talked to the bartender, and uh, filed this little segment for uh, Smoking and Toasting on location. It's Smoking and Toasting on location at the Brewer's Table in Austin, Texas, where we actually came for dinner a couple of nights ago and ate ourselves and drank ourselves a little bit silly. It was great fun. They brew beers on the premises here and cook some great food, which I'll talk to you about another time. Today, though, I want to talk to you about the beer. And this is Amber, who's bartender. Hi, Amber. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank good, you. good. So, how many beers do you have on tap that you brew here at Brewing? We currently have eight. Eight on tap right now. Okay. And you've had as many as ten? Yeah. And you're always, I know you have a lot of limited time sort of beers. Is that correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they rotate in and out oftentimes. Some are seasonal, some are once we ground for a while, flagship. So, tell me about the whole 30. I think this is what we want to taste today. So that is our newest one. Um, it's fantastic. It's made out of a wet hop, um, hopper actually, I believe. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, so that's why it's such a good flavor. It has a lot of complexity. What it does to it. It's a nice amber color as well. Wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's have a bite. Yeah. All right. All right. What I really liked about the menu here is uh, how creative some of the beers were. It just wasn't just here's our IPA, here's our stout, here's our you know uh, pale ale. It was uh, it was a little more creative approach than that. And the descriptions are wonderful on the menu, and 
here is the whole 30. And when did you guys uh, first put this on top? About a week ago. About a week ago. Well, this is exciting. Here we are, nice set of bones, and Noticed it a little bit first, but I maybe because of the head of foam, I don't think too much on the nose. Those first flavors are really almost electrifying. It's, a, uh, it's definitely got. Um, it's definitely got. A, a, so this is a lot of it. It's a lot of it. So. Um, being maybe a little more used to the nails, the lager does a whole different thing to the tongue and you get this great sort of like uh, flavor balance sort of dancing on your tongue from the very beginning. This is, uh, this is not a hops that I have had uh, a lot of times, so it's a little bit different. That's one of the things I really liked about it. It feels, feels and tastes different. I'm getting... Definitely some varying notes. There's, um, I really like the malt. Ian, you would love this beer. It's got some great maltiness to it. And it's just got a, uh, it's got that kind of clean and dry finish that makes you say, I think I'll have another sip. And I have a whole pint to enjoy here. So if you are in Austin, I can't say enough about how great the food was here tonight, too. You definitely have to check out the Brewer's Table. I think we'll likely be back here to do a more involved show. But for the meantime, if you are here and you still have it, you've got to order the whole 30. This is a beautiful, well-balanced, very complex beer. It's awesome. Honestly, Ian, I should have probably like done a longer segment and tasted a whole bunch of their beers because all their beers were so. I tasted like three or four of them the night before at dinner. They brought me little samples so I could try. It just really, I really love that. good stuff. Yeah, and and very, very unusual and imaginative uh, too, which I think. We're going to start seeing as a trend for a lot of the smaller breweries. These guys are not available in any stores or anything, although they talked about the fact they'd like to be at some point. But uh, but they are just uh, they're just a really really good um, maybe some of the best food I've ever eaten uh, chef type food mm-hmm. at a an original actual authentic brew pub. That so, sounds awesome. Uh, so yeah, the Brewers Table in Austin uh, definitely worth uh, checking out. It brings to light. Uh, I just want to point out to to listeners there if you're if if you're not used to going to places that have you know substantial amount of craft brews, um, the bartenders especially if they're not slammed busy really don't mind if you ask for a taste they will pull out a small glass that's absolutely right and they'll uh, they'll give you a splash in a cup for you to taste it before you buy it it's not like you know 10 15 years ago where if you ask for a taste they're like what What? a freeloader no and and (laughs) and if you're not sure or the bartender's busy you can just buy a flight which is a bunch of the different beers right and i love doing that especially when they've got a number of different beers that i haven't tried right and one thing i love about flying saucer uh, which there are several locations in mm-hmm. Houston. I think there are locations all over the place. They have a great beer list, and they will let you put your own flight together. Which yes, is really and cool. and then one of the things that they'll always do as well is they'll put them in an order mm-hmm. in in the way that uh, you should drink. So even if you're not experienced enough to know, okay, well, you should try this before this and that mm-hmm, before that, mm-hmm. they'll put it in order for you and say, this is the order we recommend. Sort of so lightest that, to heaviest is generally right, the order you Right, because if you drink a habanero stout before you try their lager, 
You're not going to taste the lager. Right, exactly. You know. Yeah, you're not so. going to pull out any of the subtleties. Right, or exactly. So. Uh, speaking of Austin, Texas, by the way, it has been named the number one beer destination in the world. That's pretty awesome. In a recent uh, survey. Now, I, uh, you know, with us being residents of Houston, Texas, about, you know, three hours from Austin, um, we're kind of always sort of sticking up our hand and going, I know Austin's hip and all, but have you come and tasted some of the beer yeah, that's Houston's been brewed in Houston? Great beers. Uh, and of course, we didn't. It, we being Houston did not make the list, but I will go over that list for you of the. Uh, I think the problem the is, is, is it's not yeah. cool to like Houston. I think that's right. It's much cooler. I, you to know, like I Austin. meet people all the time. They're like, "Hey, man, what do you think?" Oh, Houston sucks. Yeah. What do you mean Houston sucks? Yeah. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> I just not. don't get along with that mentality. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm, but a lot I, of people that do that, it wouldn't matter where they are. Saskatchewan sucks. Minot, North Dakota sucks. I mean, right. wherever they are, they're going to say it sucks. Yeah, yeah, Portland I, sucks, whatever. Yeah, I think you're right about that. <laughs> uh, so I will uh, run down that list of cities for you coming up here in just a little bit. But I thought now, Ian, we should taste uh, what may be the beer from the coolest can I have ever seen. This is that the is Chia Girl. Cool uh, it's a double IPA from Anchorage Brewing, and I'll show this to the camera. Anchorage Brewing in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, of course. And I was thinking about this, and I and I, you know, uh, with with the appropriate apologies to our uh, listeners and viewers in Alaska, if there are any. Uh, I've always thought that I've never been there, but I've always thought that that'd be a great place for craft brewing because they ain't much to do. In Alaska, yeah, you, you got long winters. Yeah, you got long winters. You can go outside and watch the moose walk by. And if you're going to watch moose walk by, why not do it while you're sipping on something really good? Ooh, I like that sound. You know, uh, that, I have a brother. There that, was texture to that. that li- yeah, I have a brother that lived in Alaska for a while, and he oh, yeah. absolutely loved it. Did he really? Now, what did he like the the sort of nature vibe about it? Was that yes. was that what he liked? Yes, yeah, all I, those. I would assume that would be its biggest selling point. Would be. I think that. I think left to his own devices, he'd be a bit of a hermit as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> plus apparently, if you stand in the right place, you could see Russia from your house. So, well, uh, that, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, that's that's another. I saw that on TV. It must be true. Yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, Gia Girl is a double IPA from Anchorage. What well, smells brewing. like it? Uh, brewed and canned uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, the can doesn't tell us too much about Gia Girl, but apparently, this is considered to be. Uh, one of the real up-and-coming craft breweries in the United States. Even this in- has a beautiful fruity funkiness right on the nose. Yeah, it like, it uh, it has hops and a, wow. and a beautiful fruity. It's funkiness. definitely got some fruitiness. Now it's a double IPA, so it's eight point four ABV, and these cans are pint cans. So I'm guessing it's a a bit of a specialty brew. You're right, though, very fruity on the nose when you uh, kind of take that first whiff. Mm. Mm. This might be one of the most bizarre double IPAs I've ever tried in my life. Okay, so explain that. Why is it bizarre? So on first sip, there's a uh, there's a uh, there's a, there's a malt profile followed by a saison like funkiness, mm-hmm. which then rolls into a bitterness and then finishes with like a, a nip of chocolate or cocoa. Mm. Um, and then the whole thing is left with with a, a bitter hoppy aftertaste. It's it's got something on the aftertaste though, along with the bitter hops. That is perhaps the most you know we talk about um, 
beers being citrusy all the time, it almost tastes like you just ate a slice of tangerine or orange. Like that really fresh on your tongue, um, like the pulp is still there, almost uh, fruitiness. That chocolate maltiness in the aftertaste is so bizarre. Like it's just a hint of it comes up on the retrohale after you. This is mm-hmm. this might be one of the most interesting IPAs I've ever tried. Mm. It's definitely different. You could almost describe it as a hazy double IPA. Maybe if yeah. there is such a thing. It's I'm not sure if there is such too. a thing. Look, I mean, look at the yeah. liquid. It's, it's oh, I know. Very it's it's actually got viscosity. I apologize for that. I usually thought I had turned that down. Uh, it actually. Um, it's got viscosity to it, which I'm not used to for an IBA. You know, you yeah. This this has this has the the uh, mouth feel, mm-hmm. uh, just in its in its thickness of almost a uh, more like a porter or a um, strong Belgian or um, almost like a lighter stout. It's uh, a little more carbed than I would expect. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, and I'll I'll try it towards the end of the show how it how it tastes when it's been open and um and warmed and, up a little bit warmed up a little because it bit. is cold yeah it's definitely because cold. I bet there's a lot of flavors in there like this is probably I don't know if you're supposed to drink this quite this cold uh, sometimes they have a, a recommended on here see that's just me I like everything colder I always have even with the beers that you're supposed to have more well, this, closer to room temperature this, I like them colder. This tastes really. I'm going to fill up this glass because I want to sit it, let it sit there. And so let me ask you this again: Do you like this? I, and I know you're not the IPA guy, but do you like this? I, you know, kind of yes. Uh, and I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I'll tell you why it's a kind of yes. Mm-hmm. My knee jerk reaction to the initial flavors on this is: this is everything I don't like in an IPA. Being a little hoppier, it's, a little it's, yeah, stronger. it's a little pine coney. Mm-hmm. Like it sits on my tongue right now. The aftertaste is a little pine coney. And uh, and and some of the things, and that's and that's just that's okay. That's indicative of the style. That's a me thing. Um, however, it's so darn interesting. And there's like along with that pine coney bitter aftertaste, citrusy bitter aftertaste, is a little bit of chocolate in there, like just mm-hmm. on the retrohale. Mm-hmm. Just it's so bizarre. You know when you get a cigar that is really really complex. Maybe more complex than you were expecting, right? Right. And there's all these different like flavors that are in there, and maybe maybe you really we're just kind of thinking, I want to smoke a cigar and have that, you know, sort of something play. simple. Right. And, and and it and it isn't simple at all. And your first reaction is like, hmm, that's interesting. But what has a tendency to happen is that as you smoke it, that interesting begins to like work on right. You, you know what I mean? And you start going, ooh. Ooh, and you start appreciating it more. And I have a feeling that this beer is like that. That, I, and and I really like this. By the way, I think it's I think it's one of the most unique IPAs. I've this ever is tasted. yeah, it's incredibly I've, interesting. I've never had another IPA that tasted like this ever. You know, whereas well, yeah, a lot of times, even among my favorite unique, ones, yeah. I immediately can go, "This is similar to another right. IPA that I had, but maybe a little different in this way." I've never had anything that tasted like this. The very front of the palate on this and mm-hmm. the smell of this almost remind me of a hundred and twenty minute IPA. Very interesting, and that's a very almost. complex IPA too. It is, it yeah. is, and but this tastes nothing like it once right. you once you take a sip. And a hundred twenty minute IPA, I absolutely love. You know, I will never pass one of those up. I just have a feeling if you had. A, but I'm willing to bet, and I can't wait to see, like, when this when this warms up a little bit, 
I, I, I want to see what it does because I'm willing to bet if me and you were to spit, split a glass of this at the house, mm-hmm. that by the end of that half glass, I'd probably go, let's split another one. Maybe. Yeah. I, I want to see what it does when it warms up. I have a feeling. Very interesting. It's, it is incredibly interesting. If you're into big, interesting IPAs, if you just want this something one, that's not going to taste like anything else you've tasted yes. in the IPA world, yeah, this is an experience. See if you can hunt down the Geo. This is not a, a session beer. It's, it's also a like beautiful 8.9. can too. It's really a gorgeous can. It's like it's almost part of the experience. As intricate and interesting as that drawing yeah. is, that's, that's how intricate flavor. and interesting the beer is. Fascinating stuff. All right, let me give you this list of the top uh, beer destinations in the world, of which Austin was named number one. Now, I guess there's a little bit of a difference between beer city and beer destination, because the idea behind this is if you're going to travel somewhere and are looking for a great beer place to visit, this is what they recommend. And this comes, by the way, from Vine Bear, which I have to say is a pretty reputable website when it comes to these type of things. You know, it's, I'm not. I was kind of making fun of Bloomberg. Like, what do they know about beer? Right, right. Uh, but Vine Bear kind of they kind of got their thing going on. I've I've read some really good and informative stuff. So this will be interesting. At number ten, they have Paris, France, as a beer destination. They say do, do you, French. You've heard of it, light love and haute couture. You may be less familiar. However, with Paris's emerging beer scene, I was going to say because traditionally Paris doesn't make mm-hmm. like they've got Francis Connor mm-hmm. and something else. Fre- uh, they talk about uh, session IPAs, frites in Chimay cheese, and uh, Hoppy Corner uh, is an area near a series of restaurants, bars, and uh, pastry uh, place. Offers a mix of French, Belgian. And American craft beers. It's also, by the way, metal oh, friendly. And American craft beers. That's yes, hilarious. Yes, yes. So you know uh, what's funny is, I guess beer destinations. I mean, at that point in time, you're in France, right? You know, yeah. That's something to be said about yeah. that in the first. Well, place. a lot of people go to France to drink wine, so it's interesting that the craft beer scene is on the rise, right? Right. In uh, in Paris, in particular, number nine. Not a big surprise. Seattle, Washington. Not a big surprise right. that it's on the list. Uh, more than three hundred and sixty bars and restaurants opened in Seattle in twenty eighteen. Wow. Uh, Future Primitive Brewing, a small brewery uh, uh, specializing in sessionable little beers. We just talked about little beers on the show, and boom, there you go. Uh, they officially opened to the public this year. Seattle's 60 breweries and counting, they say, also include cult favorites like Rubens Brews, Holy Mountain, and Cloudburst, along with uh, long-established classics like Pike. Now, at number eight, the most surprising city on this list to me, Tokyo, Japan. Really? Yes. Now, I I think of Japan for whiskey. Yeah. But not so much for craft beer, and um, beer may not be the main reason, they said, the most head to Tokyo, but those who don't take the time to acknowledge the craft beer scene here are missing out. Well-known multi-location uh, brew pubs and expat-led Baird Beer, which launched in 2000, are now joined by a flush of more recently opened beer destinations. Watering Hole, uh, opened in uh, 2012, serves a mix of Japanese craft beers and American favorites, and a Scandinavian Japanese craft beer bar opened in partnership with Norway's Oslo Brewing, opened up a couple of years ago, and they serve everything from uh, Oslo and everything from Kyoto Brewing. So uh, there's a lot of, this is what's happening. What you're seeing happen in like virtually every neighborhood in American cities is now happening 
around the globe in different places as craft beer. Uh, the little place that uh, I love to go in Mexico, where Adam and I filed the report on, uh, right, on that right. rum from, uh, it's it's not <coughs> a great location for beer. Uh, you you can basically get you know Tecate and a few other things right. in the. Uh, I think we were able to buy some Sam Adams in the grocery store uh, in Zihuantaneo. Um The owner of the place there told me the last time we were there that there's three craft breweries about to open in the area. Craft wow! In and this place is in the middle of nowhere in Mexico. This is how pervasive the whole craft beer thing has become and how sort of linked to the local area most of these things are so i find this all very interesting and number seven on the list rochester new york not a place i would think of as a wouldn't have guessed haven for craft beer but if you're going to be in rochester i guess you might as well visit some craft breweries mm-hmm. sound like a good plan to me raleigh north carolina was at six los angeles california at five a bit of a surprise here because Primarily because Los Angeles made the list and San Francisco did not. Wow. And you think of yeah. San Francisco much more as a craft beer destination, I think, uh, than Los Angeles. But one of the things that this article is supporting, is really pointing out, is th- how things are shifting and how some areas that may have been a little less uh, craft beer friendly, like Los Angeles, they point out, have really begun to come on in the last uh, year or so. At number four, Atlanta, Georgia. At number three, now this one doesn't surprise me, New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, doesn't surprise there me There is some great brewing going on. Yeah, I went, when I went there last year, I mean, I just went, I went through a ton of New Orleans brews and, mm-hmm. and tried. And there's so many great yeah. ones. And, and, and NOLA isn't even in New Orleans. It's like outside right. the city a little ways. Uh, but I suppose you would include that even just by its name as a New Orleans uh, uh, sort of brewery. Uh, at number two on the list, Berlin, Germany. Germany's capital is celebrating two anniversaries this year, 30 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall and 100 years of Bauhaus, the architectural monument uh, that celebrated a series of events throughout the year, including a festival starting in January. Of course, you know, if you're going uh, to Berlin, you can go for Oktoberfest, or you can go in the summer for Berlin Beer Week, which is a 10-day multi-venue Berlin uh, beer experience, July the 19th through the 28th. So um, it's listed as a big, I mean, besides all of the sort of historic German beer styles. German IPAs, for example, are yeah. really on the rise now. So this just gives us more stuff to try. So it's, much beer, so little It's time. incredibly interesting how the United States has taken craft beer to a level where the rest of the entire world... Oh, there's no question. ...has to pay attention now. Because and, and has to reference American craft beer in as 1990, the standard. If you say, where do I go to get beer? Europe, Europe Germany. Germany. Europe, Germany. Sure. Right, yeah. Okay, in 19... 19- 98, mm-hmm. that's where you're starting to go, oh, okay, wait a second. Right. By 2005, the whole rest of the world's looking at us going, that's right. what the heck? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got companies, great beer companies like Guinness making an American pale ale, and they're doing a damn good job of that's it, by right. the way. And much respect to Guinness for expanding their line, considering they never had to before. And when you look at an article like this, and Paris, France, is talking about... American craft beer yes. as a certain standard yeah. and a certain uh, style and stuff that they're shooting for. Well, that tells you a lot. It's It's been the craft yeah. brewing, which really started with the home brewing explosion mm-hmm. and then became the craft beer. Well, the home brewing explosion the was in the 80s and 90s. 
So it had to lead somewhere. There are now more craft breweries in Austin, Texas than any other city in the state of Texas. The city is home to some of the country's best lager brewers, they say in this article, uh, as they name Austin number one, uh, like Live Oak uh, and Austin Beer Garden Brewing Company. I'm going to stop you right there. Mm -hmm. Live Oak Hefeweizen Mm -hmm. is the best Hefeweizen out there. It's unbelievable. Really the best you've had. It's the best that I even know. That's a great brewery. I generally don't even like the style Hefeweizen, and that one's so good I will buy it all all the time. We should have... uh, we should have. I don't think we've ever tasted the Hefeweizen on the show. We should hmm. do that. I don't know. We should. If do we it. did, it was long enough ago to where it doesn't matter. If we did, it sounds delicious. Let's do it again. <laughs> uh, oh, see, there we go. Liking everything. Yep. Uh, so the um, uh, Austin Beer Garden Brewings, uh, their uh, lager has taken home uh, two gold medals at the Great American Beer Festival, and Austin Beer Works uh, won a Great American Beer Festival bronze for their light lager uh, last year, and then. It actually mentions, and I did not know this uh, until just this moment, it says here Austin's beer and food pairing game is equally impressive, spanning esoteric newcomers like the Brewer's Table, which oh, is nice, where yeah. I just filed the report from, as an upscale brew, brew cub uh, aspiring uh, to uh, batch craft beer and kolaches, which pairs Texas' beloved uh, pastry kolaches with uh, local brews. Now, the rest so. of the world doesn't understand kolache, by the way. So no, they don't. Let's explain kolache for All a right, moment. I'm going to let you explain it. Okay. Kolache, as we know it. Uh-huh. is a wonderful, wonderful breakfast thing. This is a pastry with a hot dog-like substance, sausage inside. Some sort of weenie inside, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and usually with a little bit of cheese, if I'm uh-huh. ordering it. Uh-huh. They are out... It's, 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 it's like... It's like a pig in a blanket, but not really. And it's it's a little hard to it's describe. It's a more breakfasty version of the pig in the blanket. Yeah, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. I make them at my house. I buy the little Pillsbury croissant rolls, uh-huh. and I buy the little uh, uh, smoky sausage breakfast mm-hmm. sausage thingies, mm-hmm. and just roll them up. And make them at my house. They're fantastic. The kolaches awesome. are just outstanding. And 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 you know you don't get them outside of Texas at all. If you say kolache, they have no idea what you're saying. And I will They're tell like, you, bless it's, you, it's actually I know it was mentioned here in this Austin article. But it's really more of a Houston thing, the kolache. It's, it's even much more prevalent in Houston than in other places. All right, before we wrap up this segment, Ian, you've allowed the uh, Gia Girl IPA, double IPA, to warm. It's better warm. I like it better warm <laughs> with a little less carb. It's actually quite good. It's less bitter. Yes. I um, I will say I, the last, uh, last swallow or so that I had had warmed up a bit, and I thought – you know, I am pulling more flavors out of here now. Yeah, you know, it's it's a rounder flavor overall. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as sharp on the uh, beginning. So I think this beer, like for me, this is pour me uh, pour me a glass and let it sit for a few. Like mm-hmm. I would pour this halfway through my previous beer, mm. mm-hmm. and let it sit, and then I'd probably truly enjoy it. By the way, you mentioned uh, earlier in the show the Dogfish Head One Twenty being one of your uh, favorite IPAs ever. Mm-hmm. You want me to bring one? I got a couple. Well, I'm never going to say no to that. <laughs> what do you mean? That's like one a cigar. Uh, um, no, but Dogfish Head, you may be interested to know, has just unveiled their first craft whiskey. Ooh. So I'm going to tell you about that coming up. We're also going to talk about how not to be a jerk on a distillery tour. And speaking of whiskey, you have brought along some old foresters that we're going to uh, crack open here momentarily in our next segment. Uh, you are watching and listening to Smoking and Toasting, and we'll be right back. Gia Girl is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I like it better warm, that's for sure. Brian's at it again. You'll love his comment. 
welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It is so nice to have you on board uh, with us as we do the 121st show of this very little program. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, we have talked about this many times, but it deserves to be mentioned again. Their bacon appetizer is one of the finest things on the planet. It is that good. I'm a big fan of blue cheese. Yes. And they have awesome blue cheese, and then they put it on bacon. And you know they have, uh, that. now that's the Chef Tommy's bacon. And they also have this lamb bacon that is out of this world. It's so good. I don't know why it's called lamb bacon. I don't think it's made from lamb. I, I think it's pork like most bacon. Uh, but it is, it is unbelievable. It is very good, and I recommend it highly. I recommend it very highly. Uh, Smoking and Toasting is a show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is uh, Cruz, and this is my partner, Ian Barry. We have Adam, our producer on the Wheels of Steel. Um, I don't know that you could say that it signals trouble for the craft beer industry, but maybe two Texas craft breweries have shut their doors just recently. Uh, in December, Big Ben Brewing announced it was suspending its operations. Big Ben Brewing. I believe we've had some of their beers on the show here before, Ian. And Noble Ray Brewing in Dallas just filed for bankruptcy protection. Uh, Jim uh, Justin Kendall is the assistant editor at Brewbound, an <coughs> industry trade publication. He says that Big Ben's troubles are connected to the failure of a Canadian company that was supposed to supply the brewery with new equipment. They'd paid a deposit, which apparently they lost, at least temporarily, when the supplier went into receivership and they couldn't, couldn't bounce back from that, which I totally can understand because most of these guys' profit margins are not big. Craft, craft brewing is not necessarily a way to get rich, guys. I yeah. mean, it really isn't. That's uh, definitely a labor of love. It's a way to pursue your dream, perhaps, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a way to get rich. Uh, as for Noble Ray, Kendall says it owes money to vendors for equipment purchases, isn't able to pay its desk without restructuring the company to try to make it more profitable. But, he says, beer industry troubles aren't limited to the two Texas craft brewers. Growth, he says, has slowed, and even large brewers are laying off employees. Uh, There's still growth to be had, he says, but it's in pockets. So we're seeing a more tumultuous time for brewing overall. If you're on the small end, he says, you've got to be prepared to be small. If you're on the bigger end, you've got to be prepared to go for it. There's really no in-between. So that's interesting because I think of a brewery like St. Arnold, for example, as an I think of them as an in between. I don't think of them as a small brewery. In fact, they were They're voted big. They yeah. were voted voted like mid sized brewing yeah. company of the year like a year ago. But maybe maybe as a maybe from craft beer reference, that's pretty big. Maybe versus because I don't, someone I don't like, think of them as big like Sam Adams big. I mean they're right. only available in Texas for one thing. But someone like but someone like uh, like Platypus that we tried earlier that's small. You know that's that's very small. As a matter of fact, they're just a brew house with food, and they just recently put anything on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is you know like that's that's small growth, but that's that's still growth. Um, but a lot of places I don't even think worry about putting stuff on the shelf. A lot of places are just like, hey, you come here and like a restaurant, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, we brew beer and make food, and well, that, you come here and have that it. has certainly been the trend yeah, at, craft, at craft breweries that have opened across the past couple of years. It's like, don't even worry about that right now. Worry about right. getting people to come to get people to try your your, brew, uh, yeah. your brew house. And there's and, a ton and check of those in Houston. There are, and and I think there's a ton of them everywhere at this point, and that's part of what has become so interesting about chasing down different styles of beer and uh, and what have you. Uh, one of the reasons New Jersey 
has grown so much as a craft beer brewing destination is because uh, about a year or two ago, there was some state legislation signed that allowed, and this is the case I believe in Texas as well, allowed the breweries more flexibility in not only being able to serve and sell uh, at at their at location, the location yeah. but also more flexibility in what people could come to the location, buy and take home, like growlers or right. uh, or uh, six packs or, or whatever it might be. So, well, and you used to not be able to buy growlers. That's right, at all. That's right. You know, and now they're 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 everywhere. It's nice. One of the uh, gifts that Adam had bought me, I think, for anniversary or something earlier this year, uh, was a. a Couple of growlers full of uh, of great beer from that little uh, Adam. What was the name of that shop? Jugs. Over? Yeah, from it? Jugs. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They, uh, loved that. In fact, I brought one of them in on the show. If you recall, yeah. There's a few shops like that around town that are I like that nice. whole idea. I do. And you go in, you never know what they're going to have on tap when you go nope. in. And uh, it's always interesting and always fun. Ian, you brought this from your personal bar, but I can see this is very different from most of the bottles in your personal bar. I'm kind of a scotchy scotch person. No, I mean because it's not open. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. My okay, mouth is open yeah. and everything. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, you are kind of a scotchy scotch person, but this is this is Old Forester. Tell me about this because this is a bottled and bond um, uh, product, right? This is right? Uh, 1897 bottled and bond Old right. Forester. So you explained a little bit earlier about bottled and bond. So the... 1897 Bottled and Bond Act, uh, or the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897, whichever they call it, uh, was an attempt for people to regulate whiskey so uh, so it wasn't um, adulterated. Mm-hmm. Wasn't uh, you know people weren't selling whiskey that wasn't good, that wasn't made properly, those kind of things. Basically. It was the first sort of government-regulated uh, Yeah, it was, whiskey, it was right? to keep people from throwing it all together and calling it whiskey and selling it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so what that, what that entails is you have to, it has to be made from one distiller mm-hmm. during one season and then um, and, and in one uh, distillery and then it has to be um, aged in a in a government you know bonded warehouse so that way they could say okay this is a real product this was actually to try and make a product because i'm assuming up until that point you know people were doing what they always do with products that start getting popular is you know they make their own version of it and it can become quite ridiculous or watered mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. things like right, that right right a, a bit counterfeit if you right will. and 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 in 1897 let's face it mm-hmm. they weren't as able to uh track what was going on for counterfeit and things sure. like that as well quite as much so i'm assuming that had a lot to do with it uh so this is you know uh they're this is actually bottled in bond and it's their nod to the bottled and bond act now why do i think of old forester as more of maybe because it has the word old in the, the title but i think of it as more an old fogey type of brand and not necessarily one of the so younger hipper brands i think but what's that's happened- not necessarily true is it What's happened with a lot of the um, older brands? There's there's a few out there. Wild Turkey is a notable one. Mm-hmm. You know, people stick their nose up at Wild Turkey. Old Forester uh, gets a little bit of this. There's there's some brands out there that have been around for years, and people ignore them because of that. Because um, they think they're granddads. Because they think, uh, oh, or it's it's not very expensive. You know, the regular Old Forester is not a very expensive bottle, mm-hmm. and so they think, oh, well, that's not you know forty to sixty dollars. So it's probably not that good. You know, a twenty dollar bottle of whiskey just can't be that good. Well, that's we absolutely know that's not true, right? 
I mean, there are whiskeys out there. Like Buffalo Trace Buffalo is a Trace huge is perfect example, example yeah. of that. Now, they've mm-hmm. had a name forever doing Buffalo Trace. But here's the thing. Some of those old brands, if you go back and revisit Weller 12, mm-hmm. it's outstanding. And it's not very much money. Like so, this bottle right here, I think um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was in the fifty dollar range. Um, however, this is you know this is a little more uh, one of their upper end. Whiskeys. One of the more upper end, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think of it. Well, I can tell you my first, and I have been doing my research while you're uh, while you're explaining uh, about the old Forester, but um, I it has one of my favorite characteristics of. Um, of any whiskey that it has alcohol in like. it. <laughs> yes. How did you know? <laughs> Just guessing. <laughs> You're good. You know, you really have this thing down. Uh, no, but it, it has what I call the the cinnamon middle. Yeah. And uh, a lot of great bourbons are, are like this. You don't get it as much with uh, with single malts. You know, they're they kind of have a whole different thing going on. Um, but this has that wonderful cinnamon middle to it. So uh, uh, kind of in the middle of the palate, it's not the first thing you get. It's not necessarily. It, it, I get it in the middle, and then there's the finish, and then after the finish, it kind of goes back to the cinnamon for mm. me, and I really like that. It makes it a very uh, pleasant mouthfeel, um, and I, I actually think it's quite good. I taste, um, I get that, and uh, I want to raise it with the amount of uh, oakiness that I taste. There is some. There's so for much sure. oakiness to this that it's almost a little astringent on the aftertaste, and that's in kind of a good way. It's yeah, a I was going to say in that way that makes you want another yeah. drink, right? Yeah, it makes your mouth water kind of way. Uh, also, the heat on this is really interesting. There's a little bit of bite when you first take a sip, and mm-hmm. then uh, there's not really through the rest of the sip, but then it comes back and just lingers at the back of your yes. palate. Right on the on the like the very base back part of your tongue is where yes. the heat returns, and it's interesting because it just lingers there. But it's just a just a very mild kind of pleasant warmth there. It almost makes me think, and I mean this in a good way, not in a bad way. You know those cinnamon toothpicks they used to have yes. when we were kids, you and you'd put it in your mouth hot and you'd, sticks, hot sticks, right? And you'd chew it up, and it would. So if you chewed on one of those for a minute and then threw it away, it would leave this sort of warm cinnamon like just almost hot yeah cinnamon uh feeling in your mouth i get a little bit of that on you know once the finish has kind of cleared on this it's very pleasant by the way i like it there's a lot. there's so much going on in the aftertaste that we're sitting here uh waxing about it for a long time however um i would like to also talk about the very first flavor that hits your mouth is that round maltiness I was say malt. um, yeah yeah the that hits the mouth this is I'm I'm quite happy with this bottle right here. You, I, I think, and it's also be. overproof. It's a hundred proof, um, so it's uh, so it's a little bigger than what you get at, at bottle proof. You know, you're forty percent. So you're th- you're saying this is in the fifty dollar range? Fifty? Yeah, I think it's fifty or sixty. I can't remember what I paid for it, but I'm I'm happy with it. If I paid sixty dollars, I'm quite happy with this. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I picked it up a few weeks ago on a mad, you know, a mad dash dash through. <laughs> liquor store i like it i, like I bought one of those giant cans of uh uh they also had that giant can with all the different uh uh southern star oh did you buy styles? one of those yes i did all right so i will tell you that we had one left over those those were all so good 
Yes. We had one left over after that uh, show with Alan Denny, who nobody cares about, by the way. Um, <laughs> we discussed that earlier in the show, just in case you uh, uh, you weren't you weren't here with us earlier. But uh, we've been told that nobody cares about him and Chris Hart. So, um, so Alan Denny's uh, uh, canister that he brought. Yes. Um, there was one left, and he said, "Here, take this home." And, and so I took it home, and it was the Irish cream. I had high expectations for it. Tried it. And was not all that impressed with it, but remembered how much I had loved the, the other one. The red velvet cake. The red velvet cake was outstanding. The orange one. Oh, my God. The chocolate orange. Oh. Yeah. So, but I think that the red velvet, I like, because I, I've had all the other ones now a little bit. The red velvet cake and the chocolate orange, I think, were the outstanding ones in there. Like, mm-hmm. the other ones were good, good enough, but... Those two were just pretty amazing. Yes, I I completely agree. Was, uh, oh, the other one was s'mores. That was pretty. S'mores, good. S'mores I thought was very good. Yeah, that was pretty good. No, I thought it was. I thought it was really really good. So, all right. So I'm looking for my story here. I apologize. Uh, I'm slightly distracted here. Was looking for the story to tell you about. Oh yes. I know what I'm looking for. How not to be a jerk in a distillery tour. I'm going to hold that until our our final segment. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Is this story going to be "Don't be like me"? Yeah, it's basically that. Basically says, "Don't be like <laughs> see, Ian." See that guy end. over there? Don't be like don't him. be like Ian. The end. Follow no, him. Don't do what he does. But this is there. I'm going to hold on to that. We'll do it in the last segment uh, because there's a very important, um, very very important story that we need to share. So you remember when you know. That phrase, thank you, Obama, became a, a thing. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, thanks, Obama. Now we need to do thanks, Trump, because, and, and this isn't a political se- uh, segment, by the way. All I'm saying is because the government can't get things together and in this government shutdown, it means no new craft beer. No new craft beers can be approved Dang it. during the government shutdown. Uh, thanks, this Trump. is yeah. Thanks, Trump. Uh, so you guys, please. I will say though, while I get that, nothing rings like thanks, Obama. Yeah, no, it, it has. You're right. You're right. It has a better, a better, uh, a better vibe to it. So, uh, no, the government shutdown is entering the third week, and brewers are worried that even when the government eventually reopens, the impact could slow down craft beer production. And well, they're going to have a backlog of stuff that they weren't getting line. to in the first place, right? Because the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau, which approves new labels, new liquor stores and new distribution across state lines is completely shut down that means that breweries nationwide have put all their plans on hold thanks trump yeah exactly so all right with that we're going to take a quick break we'll be back for our final segment we will go over how not to be a jerk on a distillery tour and we're going to be tasting (laughs) i'm so excited for you to taste this ian i haven't tasted it yet but i'm really excited to see what you think of heathen brewings megament it's an imperial chocolate milk stout from vancouver washington we'll be trying it coming up in our final segment at smoking and toasting When we introduce uh, Mega Mint, should we do it in like a monster truck show voice? (laughs) The Mega Mint. (laughs) I wish I was. On the beach in Hawaii. 
But since I'm not uh, here drinking uh, Old Foresters with you is a pretty darn good second. Now, you're drinking the Gia Girl again, aren't you? I'm back to drinking the Gia Girl. I, the mm-hmm. warmer it gets, the more I like it. Like I like it like this. It's very slightly chilled now. Very mm-hmm. slightly. And uh, the flavor profile is way more. Like, the bitterness is gone. I did almost. notice it's a good example of why people who are proponents of drink beer at room temperature, why they say that. Because yeah. the flavor profile is so much more noticeable on it as a one. So this is, this is not quite room temperature yet, but I, I think that, like, my favorite... Would probably be in the low 60s or high 50s for this, as far as the temperature goes. I'm going to tell you that I'm loving the Old Forester Bottle and Bond. It's good. Loving it. This is uh, um, this is just as good, if not maybe even better, uh, than the um, the whiskey we, that we had a couple of weeks ago. The, the Whitmire's? Uh, the Whitmire's, yeah. Oh, man, and I that love the Whitmire's I got. That was good. <laughs> I'd have to put this right up next to it, but I love that Whitmire's. Yeah, it, it was really good. And uh, and the Jefferson Brothers that we had, like this this rivals that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the Whitmire's is better. Jefferson Brothers and this are on about the same level. No, no, this is, this mm. is delicious, though, anyway. It Actually, really it, it goes oddly well with the... Uh, Beer that I with the Gia Girl, interesting because you don't necessarily think of IPAs and whiskeys as IPA and rye whiskey always right, goes yes. together. Yeah, right. Because you get but, that. But IPA and, and, and non rye whiskey not always. In this case, though, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Well, we're going to be trying the Mega Mint, Mega Mint, the Imperial Chocolate Milk Stout from Heathen Brewing in Vancouver, Washington, in just a few moments. But first. And I'm really excited about this, Ian, because I think you're going to love this. Distillery etiquette. How not to be a jerk on a distillery tour. All right, talk this, to me. This comes to us from Liquor.com, a site that we really love here on the show. Uh, whether you're headed on an excursion, they say, to the Bourbon Trail, or just visiting you know, your local micro distillery, uh, there's a few tips to follow when you show up to tour and taste. Number one. <laughs> Don't name drop and expect special treatment. <laughs> you ever do that? I don't think so. The easiest way to irk the employees at a distillery, they say, especially one with a smaller staff, tell everybody that you know the owners, but you didn't make an appointment ahead in time and ahead of time, and you show up on peak Saturday hours unannounced, expecting a private tour. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. So, yeah, so don't name drop, especially if you don't actually know the owners' names. That's that's when it's the most. That's when awkward. it's embarrassing. Yeah, and embarrassing. Uh, number two. No, about the closest I ever get to that is if I do know the owner, I'll ask, "Is so and so here?" Yeah, and that's it. If they're not, if they're there, great. If they're not, you know, it's okay. You're going to take the tour anyway. Yep. Uh, number two, keep your hands off the equipment. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah, they, those shiny copper steels are pretty to look at, but don't touch them. Uh, uh, Kaylee Shoemaker, who's the head uh, distiller for Hangar One Vodka in San Francisco, says, you know, we've got a variety of tours and tastings available, all of which revolve around our working steels that tend to run very, very hot. So you don't want to touch the uh, the stills because they may be among for among other reasons they may be very hot. So. Not to mention they have to go back and repolish the copper mm-hmm. if you touch it. Yeah, and even though I love that scene in Cheers where Norm uh, goes in as a beer taster and hugs the big vats of beers, they say uh, we try to remind them the equipment doesn't generally like being hugged, no matter how tempting. <laughs> the, so. the, the equipment's a little standoffish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by the way, unless you've been instructed that it's okay to do so. And maybe you don't want to dip your finger into the fermenting tank of mash either. And just you know, just a just a quick little thought. Uh, number three, don't rehash a bad experience that made you swear off of a spirit for life. 
again, while you're on the distillery tour. You can do that when you're out with your buddies drinking. But if you ever got sick from, you know, fill-in-the-blank booze that one time in college, keep it to yourself and have an open mind. You know, when you're doing the distillery Come tour, on, when, not well, the time. When you're talking about when it's in college, there's only two booze that that happens with. Well, tequila and what else? Uh, tequila and vodka. Oh, and vodka. Okay, yeah. 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 And vodka just because it's the nameless, like, faceless spirit, you know? Like, I've had a gin incident. But that was after college. Man, that sounds like a movie title, The Gin Incident. <laughs> I had a gin I, I'm almost hearing the soundtrack in my head right now. <laughs> the Gin Incident, starring Ian Barry. Uh, number four, Sip, Don't Shoot. Uh, the uh, head distiller at uh, Stranahan's Colorado Whiskey in Denver, Rob Dietrich, says, Good whiskey, by the We've way. We've seen patrons come through the tasting room and throw back our expressions without realizing they're tasting a single malt whiskey. So, yeah, don't, don't. It just points out your amateurs. It's it's like asking for salt and lime if you go to the. Have you ever, have you ever met someone who just puts ketchup on everything, no matter what, before they even taste <laughs> it? That's kind of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five: taste something you don't care for. Be diplomatic. If you don't like something, that's fine. Uh, every, not every spirit is going to trip your trigger. This is according to Matthew Strickland, the head distiller for District Distilling Company in Washington, D.C. You can even say it's not your cup of tea. Just don't be rude about it. And who knows, the whiskey averse or the anti-vodka snob just might discover a new favorite bev. It could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, don't mansplain, period. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have... A, a lot of women that have worked in our distillery for a long time, uh, including Becky Harris, who is our chief distiller, uh, says the uh, head of uh, district distilling, uh, they absolutely know more than you do. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, if you're on a distillery tour, the mm-hmm. people that work there, chances are they're much smarter than you at mm-hmm. that subject. Yeah. Uh, number seven, don't treat it like a flea market. There's never room to haggle. Prices are set for a multitude of reasons at the craft or large distillery, so it's important to respect the process and the price. You wouldn't think of bargaining over your tuna tartare appetizer or ribeye uh, rib steak at a restaurant, would you? Of course not, so don't do it with the, uh, with the distillery. Number eight, make time your friend. Uh, managing your day is very important, especially in cities and areas with a large concentration of distilleries, wineries, and breweries. We all enjoy indulging. Just make sure not to stack your day with everything back-to-back. Stop for meals and snacks yes. in between. Yeah, make time your friend. And don't try to do or drink uh, too much. Turning up at a, at a distillery you know, visibly intoxicated or just plain wasted is a pretty sure way not to be given a tour or served a drop yes. of liquor. And finally, number nine, don't be that guy. Uh, you know the one, the dude that reads every issue of every whiskey magazine and has toured the bourbon trail so many times that Jim Beam had a plaque made for him. That guy. Yeah, you don't want to be <laughs> that guy. Yeah, you know a lot about making booze, but maybe the rest of our tour patrons don't. Feel free to ask questions, but don't monopolize the tour guide's time with niche or esoteric comments or queries designed to impress everyone with your beer knowledge or your uh, distillery, your uh, spirit knowledge. There's always that don't, guy. Don't be that guy. You're not really that guy, though. And you know, honestly, I love taking the tours. I've been on quite a few of them. And the tours at the basic level are all the same. Here's their gear. Mm-hmm. This does this. That does that. Now, some of them are set up to where they're more educational. Right, where they tell you a little more about what's going into the... Right. Uh, now, case in point, 
when you would take a tour at uh, St. Arnold's for a long time, mm-hmm. they would walk you through. They'd they were show famous, you the by the way, for their tour. Great for yeah. their tours. When they moved to the new location, they didn't have it set up to take tours for a long time. So their mm-hmm. tour, quote, here's my big air quotes here, was, here's your tokens. Look through the windows at that stuff. Let's now, have some beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. have some beers. And they, they've they've since changed that. But it's funny because like the, your your beer or brewery or distillery tour can be anywhere in between all that. Right. I frankly just enjoy them anyway. the The thing is, if you go on a tour and it's a free tour, great. If you pay a little bit for the tour, even better. You're supporting that business. And I, my thought is, I, I would I would rather support those businesses, even if there's a business that doesn't make stuff that I like very much. That's fine. I'll support it because right. it's not my flavor. Doesn't mean it's not good. And doesn't mean it's not great for other yeah, people. Yeah, and, that you and know the tours and love, are fun. Right? And some of them are educational. Some of them are just like here's that stuff. Here's that stuff. But I, I, I you know, I just enjoy the time there. I think that these uh, distillery tours and brewery tours are really going to become a bigger and bigger thing in yeah. the next few years. I think it's going to be a big part because the general public seems to be more interested in educating themselves about what yes. the process is, of what they're drinking, what they're uh, what they're it's interested interesting. in. Well, like, it is interesting. Turning and if you grain sit, in the spirit is if interesting. You, if you sit next to a random person at the bar and get into a conversation about what they're drinking, you're going to find that that person today is much more likely to know a lot about whatever spirit or craft beer mm-hmm. they're drinking or what they like than, uh, say, five years ago, ten years ago. It's just it's just this is part of the culture, you know? Yep. And, and people find it uh, interesting. Speaking of interesting, I'm very interested in what this is going to taste like. It's the Mega Mint Imperial Chocolate, Mint. Sho- uh, Chocolate Stout. Oh, now that Imperial was, Chocolate Stout! That was kind of like the... Uh, the the, race, the, the raceway uh, the, uh, the monster, monster truck. truck. Yeah. Well, if you look, it's got a monster... Um, the Mega Mint. <laughs> look at the artwork up there. Uh, it's from Heathen Brewing. Heathen Brewing is one of the really super hip and up-and-coming uh, breweries from Vancouver, Washington. A lot of people talking about this. This is our first time to have something from those guys on the show. Ian has already... Uh, taken the wax top off for us and then just opened this up and this comes to us in a bomber and it looks very interesting. The artwork is awesome. I love Megamint Imperial Chocolate Stout. I love the minty looking uh, wax that was that was some seriously thick wax. By the yes, way, yes, it was. You struggled with that actually during the break getting that off of there. I thought it was going to kick my butt. I have a feeling the Megamint may still do that all by itself. We shall see. Um, it looks good. Oh, it looks it, like dark, thick liquid. Well, this is really interesting because you're going to find, I think, that the uh, the nose on this Ian is different from any beer you've ever um, you've ever poured Oops. before. I may have under poured you there. Oh, uh, that's okay. Or over poured me. I'm not sure. I what think there's probably some truth to both of those things. So the nose on this, what are you getting gonna, from you, it? Well, mint first of all, which is not yeah, something I'm weird. Used to, yeah, kind of a weird mint. Not something I'm used to getting. It almost smells like a peppermint patty. Like like spearmint gum, right? Right, with a really strong uh, sort of mint to it, and like usually, if you there. have something with mint in it, it's going to have chocolate, which this does. But you smell the mint before the chocolate. I will tell you, if this tastes like it smells, I think I'm likely to be disappointed. Really? Not that, not that I don't like the nose, but I'm not wanting it to taste that sort of. You know what I mean? All right, I'm just going to say, oh my gosh, really. Yeah. Now, you can decide right now whether it meant that is good or bad. But, oh, 
my gosh. Wow. This is actually a very entertaining beer. It's okay, so anything I've ever had that's had a beer that's had a bit of mint to it, it pales in comparison. You know to that this. aftertaste you have left in your mouth mm-hmm. after an Andy's candy? Yes. That's what this that's beer what tastes this is. like. You're absolutely right. Like this is the best represent because that aftertaste after an Andy's candy is delicious, by the way. Mm, mm-hmm. Like it's almost better than the candy itself. So it's interesting. I'm looking at the label on this, and by the way, this is a nine percent uh, Mega Mint ABV on the Mega Mint. Um, it says, "I just want to say it like monster truck voice all the time." It says, "Big and bold with a touch of mint." I'm going to tell you, there's more than a touch of mint here. There's definitely more than a touch of mint, but it is. It descri- it's described as an imperial chocolate milk stout, and it does taste like chocolate milk with mint. I mean, it really does. Not just chocolate. But chocolate milk. I'm amazed that the mouthfeel on this is a little thinner than I initially mm-hmm. thought the liquid was going to be. But it's mm-hmm. it's really good. It says this imperial chocolate milk stout is uh, kicked up a notch by using fresh picked mint in the process. The mint sugar, I'm sorry, by, by using fresh mint in the brewing process, the milk sugar leaves a pleasant residual sweetness yeah. uh, that's balanced with the chocolate and biscuit notes. Of the specialty malt that are seductively balanced with aroma of the cocoa, cocoa nubs and fresh mint. Uh, when ready to sip a thin mint cookie, crack the wax seal and enjoy dessert. Yeah, thin mints, cookies, yeah, very much like that. This is, But the Andy's candy is what really... There is almost a little graham crackerness to this, too, mm-hmm. that, that maybe that thin mint cookie might bring up. This is, this is an you, outstanding product. You know what's fascinating... On today's show, the Gia Girl may be one of the most complex IPAs yeah. we've ever uh, we've ever tried. I talked about the um, the Davidoff Winston Churchill uh, the Late Hour Cigar, which may be one of the more complex cigars mm-hmm. I've had in a long time. And now this, which is easily the most complex stout that I've it's, tried. There's in a, long a time. lot going on in that. Story. It's just been a show for complexity, don't you think? And I don't feel like we're really all that complex of guys. So <laughs> Beer Geek, water, malt, two-row, biscuit, chocolate, honey, midnight wheat, oh, honey and midnight wheat hops. Oh, no, m- honey and midnight wheat. And then hops are mangum, Willamette, and a bunch of other things. You were so right about the pepper. Andes candy. It's the perfect way to describe what that uh, is. And that is... What I was smelling on the nose at the beginning, but there's yeah. something about it in the mix of the flavors on the palate that really works. Like it doesn't do what I was worried it would do, and have that too sweet a mint. It doesn't leave a sickly sort of a, sweet at no, all either. At all. It's actually it's very beer flavored. Um, <laughs> well, some of these aren't though. Some of the, some of the big when you start adding a bunch of chocolate and a bunch of other stuff to the flavors uh sometimes they get less beer flavored and they're not as you know not as interesting this is a beer it's definitely a stout and it has the stout flavor right through the middle of it but the chocolate and the mint are amazing the finish on this is amazing yes like it literally is that now if you don't like andy's candies do not buy this beer right because it tastes like a big old or like they said thin mints i go with that they're they're Mm -hmm. kind of in the same in the same realm, if you ask me. But, uh, thin Mints, the Girl Scout yeah, cookie, Yeah, the Girl right? Scout cookie, mm-hmm. Thin Mints, which wow. are oddly good. And mm-hmm. I never take a bite out of it. I just put the whole thing in my mouth and then crunch it up. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about me? Anyway. I think it tells us a lot, actually. I, I really <laughs> do. 
Well, um, I will say it's been interesting. We've made it through the entire show without being pod crashed by Alan Denny. We've been Who no one cares about. Neither uh, Alan Denny or uh, Chris Hart. Who also is cared about by no one. Um, so it's been. Uh, I don't know. It's been interesting. Um, mentioned that uh, the cigar bill, uh, the premium exemption, uh, has been reintroduced uh, by Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, told you about the Churchill Solitaire app. Um, wow. It's, it, I think we've done all the stuff that we promised to do on the show. Austin named uh, the uh, number one beer destination. And uh, on next week's show, by the way, the best craft beers if you're watching your waistline. Now, this isn't about, I mean, it's January. Everybody's like trying to go back to the gym, do New Year's resolutions and stuff. So we'll talk about what the best craft beers are because you really don't want to go Michelob Ultra. You don't. I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine earlier, and he's like, you know, I've been drinking this craft beer. And maybe I put on like a few pounds. I'm gonna have to like uh, start curbing it back. I'm like, well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna have Michelob Ultra, really? He's like, I know that would be awful. So we'll talk about this next week. The top craft beers. If you are watching your waistline, there's some pretty good ones, by the way. And we're talking real, legitimate craft beers. This I would also this say, isn't a trick, by the way. I would also point out that there's some good vodkas out there mm-hmm. that are fine to drink by themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, not all vodkas are like that. Some... All right, Ian. Nah, they just taste like alcohol. I'm going to give you... To close out the show today, I'm going to give you my number one vodka recipe if you just want to, like, sip a little something and you, uh, you know, you're looking to avoid the more calorie-oriented... Is it the same as my vodka drinks. recipe? I don't know. Tell me yours. My vodka recipe, if you want to avoid calorie consumption, is yeah. dripping springs and ice. Dripping springs and ice. I like it. All right. So I'm going to tell you what to do. If you want, um, get a Crystal Light Fruit Punch. Make the Crystal Light Fruit Punch. Really? Uh, then pour it into a glass about uh, two, about uh, half full. Pour one-third vodka and one-third Topo Chico. Dude, it's so refreshing. So delicious, and you do it over ice, of and course, and very little calories, and very little calories, and nice. you know you get that little vodka uh, happiness, mm-hmm. vodka happiness. Well, you know, I find that's a thing. It is a weird thing. I'm not a big fan of vodka overall because mm-hmm. it's just neutral. It's not very right. interesting most of the time. But you take that but Crystal Light; it's got a real distinct flavor right. to it, right? I so, can see that. So that gives you the flavor. The Topo Chico gives you a little carbonation to make it interesting, and then the vodka makes it you know interesting but in the vodka. Way. I was hanging out with you. Yes, at the pool at your uh, at your place, and um, one of our mutual friends, mm-hmm. Jen, I think it was, turned mm-hmm. me on to the Dripping Springs. Dripping vodka. Springs, a great. And she vodka. goes, "Try this." And I said, "What is it?" She goes, "Vodka." I said, "Meh." She goes, "No, try this." And I took a sip of. it. I was like, "Holy crap! What is that?" And she goes, "That's just the vodka on ice." Wow! And so that's become your it's your vodka. Fantastic! Drink. It's delicious. I will say, dripping, and that's cheap vodka. It's like it, well, it's not it's cheap, not but cheap, it's but it's not, not very expensive, expensive yeah. at all. Dripping Springs and Deep Eddy are my favorite, kind of my go-to vodkas yeah. for not too expensive, but really, really tasty, high-class vodkas. Both good, just over ice. Talking to my brother over the holidays, mm-hmm. and he is a vodka snob. Yeah, he keeps Chopin. That's one mm-hmm. of his throwdowns. I like Chopin. And Dripping Springs. Interesting. And you introduced him to the I Dripping told him Springs, about the, I bet. And <laughs> I had to talk him into it. I was like, trust me, it's not very expensive. Try it. 
And he was like, holy crap. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that happens. So. Well, I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show. I know we've done some shows that have run really super long, and I have no idea how long we've gone today, but uh, I don't think it's quite as long as last week. Uh, I want to thank you for like hanging with us, for making this show uh, successful enough to run 121 episodes. Uh, you, by the way, that was one, another thing that our uh, that our critic uh, said that we did too much was say, I can't believe no one stepped in and stopped us. But I legitimately can't believe that. So, uh, so sorry if we say that too much. Um, I want to uh, thank once again uh, John Whiteside and our producer Adam for getting the video segments up and running for us once again. I uh, challenge you this week mm-hmm. to not read any more criticisms. I, oh, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm done. I'm done. I sw- I didn't even finish that one. I swore off. I'm like that's it. I'm not going to read. Gonna, even even if you've written ones where you like say that you know we're wonderful and damn that cruise guy is good looking. I I don't want to read. It. I I really don't. I don't want to read any of it. I'm 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 done. I've sworn <laughs> off reading uh, reading the comments. I'm gonna have just, to bring up. I'm gonna have to bring up. Sticks, a, remember the movie with me. Remember the movie singles that had like yeah. the members from Pearl Jam. And yeah, where, yeah. And there's that whole scene where they're Cameron Crowe movie. Yeah, where they're where they're they have the uh, what was the band was called Citizen Dick. Yeah, <laughs> and they had they had the newspaper and they're reading the review from it. It's yeah. absolutely hilarious, and yeah. I have to bring that up. It's uh, it's funny stuff. It really is. It's it's great stuff. Um, I want to thank uh, uh, everybody for uh, for hanging with us, and a special thanks uh, to our good friends who no one cares about, Chris Hart and Alan Denny. Those guys uh, rock. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for rocking it with us. I have suspected an uh, an Alan Denny crash today. I did too, but it didn't happen. So uh, just we'll remain vigilant. It could happen at any time, and of course, as we know. Uh, since no one cares about those guys, those will be very low listening. Our, our friend Brian just posted, uh, I still haven't found where to review this train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even going to let you know because I don't want to read it. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> uh, and we appreciate your comments on uh, on Facebook all the time, by the way. Thank you guys so much for listening and enjoying uh, the show with us. If you did enjoy it, uh, we certainly enjoyed what we were drinking uh, this week. So, Ian, my friend, it's it's so good to be doing this with you. Cheers. Cheers. Good to Have see you again. Have a great week, my friend. Adam, you rock, baby. <laughs> That's great. (laughs) That's hilarious.